if you're new, my name is Drew Simpson, and this is Aaron Weiser. We're pastors here. Yep. Uh, we'd love to know that you're here if you are new. Um, the best way to do that, absolute best, is after the service, there's welcome cards over the information table. You fill that out, turn it in, and if you do it, you get a free gift. It's from a ministry in India that we support. It has an awesome story uh, that you can hear more about if you do that. Um, and just know that as we're here, we get to experience the God who created the whole universe is here today. He wants to encounter you and meet you in a personal and powerful way that will change your life forever. And for all of us who are here every Sunday, we get to do that together, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. And we are in the third week of not yeah. later glory, latter glory. Latter glory. That's, that's right. right. That's so right. I'm going to pray for you and then you can jump in. Awesome. Okay. Do you guys want to extend your hands towards Aaron and just pray with me? Jesus, thank you for Aaron. Thank you for what you've put on his heart. I thank you for your word, your scripture, um, and that uh, through the Holy Spirit, you move uh, through uh, your word uh, in our hearts. I ask that we would not just hear, but we would um, respond to your word this morning. God, we uh, come before you, and we want our hearts to be met by you and by your power. That's why we're here, is to meet with you, to celebrate Jesus, the yes, power God. of the gospel in our lives. It is good news, Jesus. Thank you so much. Would you meet us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys ready? Yes. Um, we are going to jump into uh, Nehemiah. Uh, again, this is a series on Ezra and Nehemiah, which uh, is the time in Israel's history where not only did they walk through a period of disobedience, but as a result of that obedience or disobedience, they were soundly crushed and defeated and actually hauled away into captivity for a period of time. Now they're back in the promised land according to God's promise to bring them back, and they're trying to rebuild uh, the first week we looked at the story in uh, Ezra where they lay the foundation and the people who saw the temple, the previous temple, are bawling their eyes out because they're so depressed about this new temple foundation while the people who didn't know any better are cheering. Uh, last week, uh, Edson uh, looked at the story of uh, some difficult consequences that they while during their period of disobedience, they had made some decisions, and now they're left trying to figure out, what do I do with these things? That now we're walking in obedience, but what do I do about this uh, situation that I've created, these consequences that I'm now, now I have to own uh, that are a little difficult to sort through? Um, this morning, what I'm going to do, and I'm going to move rather quickly, but this morning what I want to do is I want to jump into Nehemiah. And there's a character in Nehemiah that I'm actually really impressed by. His name is Sanballat. Um, that's probably not the proper uh, pronunciation, but that's what I'm going with this morning. Uh, Sanballat is, is absolutely committed, committed to ensuring that the Israelites, the Jews, are not successful in rebuilding. He is absolutely committed to ensuring that they continue to walk in defeat. You should know this morning that there is someone who is absolutely committed to ensuring that you do not walk in victory and that you continue to walk in defeat. 
Paul makes a statement in 2 Corinthians, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. He actually doesn't even say we should not be. He says we are not. We are not ignorant of the fact that uh, there is an enemy of our souls that is at work to destroy our efforts to build according to God's purpose and God's good plans for us. Maybe you've had a relationship that uh, because of either something that you did or someone else did has deteriorated and you're looking at how in the world do I rebuild that? Guess what? The enemy of your soul has a strategy to make sure that you don't. Maybe, uh, maybe it's a financial disaster or some very bad financial decisions, and now you're trying to piece some things back together, you should know that the enemy of your soul has a strategy to make sure that you don't. Maybe you've had your your future ambitions, your dreams crushed to smithereens, and you're trying to rebuild some sense of purpose. John 10.10, the thief comes for this reason to steal everything that's valuable, to kill you, and to destroy you. I don't know actually how destroy comes after kill. I don't know what what that next step is, but it sounds terrible, right? After you're dead, I will destroy you. Sounds rough. But I have come that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. I have come to bring my people, my creation, my sons and daughters into abundant life and life with eternal purpose. Life that when we, when we take that final step into eternity, the fruit of which is multiplied manyfold towards an eternal reward with Christ. That's the life that he is calling us to. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to move through the story, and we're going to look at, uh, through this story, five strategies of the enemy to get you to quit, to get you to bail on your efforts to rebuild. Five strategies, and then how we can respond to those. You ready? How many of you already have your page divided uh, visually into five equal blocks? I have no peeps in the room? I mean, come on, at least there we go. Whew, I almost got left out to dry. Round one, insults. The first strategy of the enemy, insults, with a focus on their failures. If you want to get them defeated, use insults that focus on their shortcomings or their failures. Nehemiah 4, now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious very angry, and he mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers, the wealthy men of Samaria, and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? 
Notice he's pointing out that these are not just any stones. These stones represent their previous defeat, right? These were the stones from the original structures that had been shattered. Oh, you think you're going to use those parts and pieces to rebuild? I don't think so. Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was near him, and he said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break down their stone wall. It's great. You're so bad at construction, a magpie is going to land on your house, and it's going to collapse. Nehemiah responds, Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their approach on their own heads, which is the first use of I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. So this is the first round. Insult them. The enemy of our soul loves to make claims about us that are true of him. You're destined for defeat. <laughs> no, Satan is destined for defeat, and he knows it. The enemy of our soul likes to use the truth of our past to tell us lies about our future. You guys experience that? Use the truth of your past to tell you lies about your future. What do we need to do? We need to reaffirm the truth according to what God says is true. We reaffirm the truth. For some of you, this is an incredibly powerful strategy. There are messages that play on repeat in your mind and in your heart that seek to defeat you, that seek to distract you and stall you. It's insults of the enemy. You don't have the capability. You don't have the competency. Look at your list of failures. Get real. Even if you were to try to rebuild, it's not going to last. Reaffirm the truth according to what God says, Isaiah 61.3. Our God is a God who takes, makes beauty out of ashes, who replaces joy for mourning. That is the kind of God that I serve. Stop your little lies. Round two, second strategy, attack. If the insults don't work, attack and focus on their vulnerabilities. Nehemiah 4, uh, 11, our enemy said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. What he's talking about is as they were rebuilding, there were certain sections of the wall that were finished and they're all sort of camping out inside of the city, but there were also sections of the wall that were unfinished, vulnerabilities, weak spots in the wall. And when the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times, they're going to come up against us. And when our enemies heard that it was known to us that we were onto their strategy, that God had frustrated their plan, then we all went back to the wall, each one to his own work. The vulnerabilities are real, not imaginary. 
They cannot will themselves out of having vulnerabilities. They have real vulnerabilities, and it is the strategy of the enemy to attack them in those areas of vulnerabilities while they remain weak in those areas before they become strong. Nehemiah says, in order to protect our vulnerabilities, we're going to put extra attention and resources for a period of time. That was his strategy. He actually gathered groups of families together, and he says, okay, you see this little gap in the wall over here? You guys, you're going to camp right here at this gap and make sure that you are alert 24-7 until we get this section of the wall finished. I love that Nehemiah says, uh, first... Uh, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. So in other words, don't forget God is on our side. Also, we should have a plan. Keeping in mind that overcoming weakness is not just for you. He says, I want you to fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, and for your wives, and for your houses. That you would counteract the enemy's attack, not just to save yourself, but because God has called you to a role of significance in the lives of others. Fight for it. What to do? Address your weaknesses with reinforcements. Address your weaknesses with reinforcements. Romans 15.1, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. The flip side of that is that those without strength should go to those who are strong for support. It didn't work. The workers kept working. Round three. The third strategy of the enemy is to isolate. Focus on their weakness. When they, when, if we can get them isolated from each other, from their support system... They will be weak. Nehemiah 6, now when it was reported to Sanballat and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it. Oh, no. He's making progress. Although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, come, let us meet together at this place in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent messages to me four times in this manner. Hey, hey, just, just come over here. Let's talk about this. Get out of the city. Come meet us over in this other place. Nehemiah says, I, I knew what their intention was. Their intention was to isolate me and then do me harm. We have so many great reasons for remaining isolated when we are being attacked. And all of them lead to the same outcome, defeat. You struggle with that? I struggle with that. Anyone here struggle staying isolated when you're under attack? It's embarrassing to admit my own weakness, my own insufficiency, 
My observation over years is that men are particularly susceptible to this strategy of remaining isolated while we're under attack. We tend to think that we are proving something about ourselves by going it alone, and yet I've found that really what we're proving is that we're stupid. You need to understand that in whatever area of your life that you right now currently are trying to rebuild in accordance with the will of God, according to the purposes of God, that one of the primary strategies is to isolate you, is to keep you secluded in whatever battle that you face. And I'm telling you, we have a thousand reasons why that's a good idea, and they all lead to the same outcome. Defeat in that area of our life. I find it fascinating that Sanballat tries again and again and again and again, just get him alone, get him alone. What to do? Refuse to confront your enemies alone. Some of you are one person away from experiencing radical victory in your life. And by one person away, I mean talk to one person. Stop fighting alone. Don't be a sucker. Refuse to confront your enemies alone. Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Well, I said... Sanballat, he's persistent. Round four, here he goes again. The fourth strategy, accuse and focus on their motives. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand, and in it was written, it is reported among the nations And Gashmu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Mm. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall. And you are to be their king, according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you, a king is in Judah. Oh, I'm telling on you. Now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. He's talking about the king of Persia who had given them permission to come. So come now, let us take counsel together. Then I sent a message to him saying, the things that you are saying, we have not done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Strategy number four, make an accusation. Call their intentions into question. Oh, you think you're going to rebuild. You think God's on your side. Uh, I know what you're really after. I know your selfish motives. I know that your heart is not pure. You know what I say? The enemy actually uses this strategy a lot on me. This is my response. I've been dealing with this for years. Attacks against my motives. 
my response, and I'm ready on this now. I hear these thoughts coming and I address it. You're probably right. God, I'm sorry. Let's continue. I am a sinner, and I still wrestle with my own heart. And if the enemy wants to point out, you know, your heart is not pure, your motives are not exactly correct, okay, fine. I never stood on my own credibility to begin with. It's the righteousness of Christ in me. So God, if there is any wicked way in me, reveal it to me and give me the grace to repent and turn to you right here, right now. You see, the goal of the enemy is not repentance. It's defeat. He doesn't point out wrong motives in your heart so that you can address them. Points out wrong motives so that you will quit. What to do? Pray for strength and don't stop. Keep moving, keep working. Nehemiah says, I realized that their goal was to discourage our efforts. And I said, no. Psalms 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. I've had it happen so many times. Just before Sunday service. Just in my own mind and my own heart, I'm saying, Lord, would you bless this time? Would you bless the worship and the word and the fellowship? And the enemy says, you don't want other people to be blessed. You just want church to go well because you have so much on the line. Sure, whatever. God, I repent. Let's keep moving. I refuse to be held captive by the enemy's strategies. I stand on the grace of God. Oh, but he's not done. Round five, corrupt. Focus on their self-interest. Nehemiah 6, when I entered the house of Shemaiah, oh man, we need a version of the Bible that just replaces names. This is... When I entered in the house of Sam, the son of Kevin, son of Frank, who was confined at home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they're coming to kill you and they're going to kill you at night. Hey, you're, you're, you're in trouble. There is a strategy to take you out. I have an idea. Let's go into the temple, into that place where you're not supposed to go. But don't worry, it's just for your own self-preservation. But I said, should a man like me flee? Could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And then I perceived that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me, because Frank and Sam had hired him, and he was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin. Scare him into self-preservation strategies. 
so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. Corrupt him by focusing on self-interest. It's so easy to come to the conclusion that the threats are too great, the likelihood of failure is too high, the price of obedience is too steep, so I'm just going to focus on me, I'm going to get what I need from me, I'm going to save myself because after all, really truly, I can't save the world anyways. What to do? Follow the example of Jesus. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Matthew 16, 24. If anyone wishes to come after me, this is the pathway. Deny yourself. Lay your life down. Take up your cross. Be willing to suffer in order to be a part of the redemption of others and follow me. Invite the worship team up. Right now, in any area of your life that you are building or rebuilding, the enemy is at work in these ways. And I came across this. This was actually not even, uh, this was, I mean, I've seen this before, but it struck me differently this time. I came across this prayer that Paul offers in Ephesians Again, this wasn't actually in my preparation time, but I just saw this was so fitting because remember, again, we're not supposed to be ignorant, right? We're not supposed to be deceived. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I don't give cease, or I don't cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And this is my prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him, meaning that the character and nature of God would be made known to you, revealed to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? And I would echo Kathy. How do we know these things? How does this happen? By meeting with God in prayer and in the word, encountering his goodness his power, his strength. Paul says, man, this is my prayer, is that for a moment you would have eyes to see clearly the majesty of the hope that we have, the glory of the inheritance, and the certainty of God's power in us. Because when you see those things accurately and live accordingly, oh man, believers are a force to be reckoned with. Let today be the day that God has his way with you. Let today be the day that you say, I'm not giving the upper hand to the enemy anymore. I'm done. I see what you're up to, and I'm telling you I'm done. Let today be that day. Would you stand?
We have a couple of ways to respond in worship as we respond to God's word, respond to his spirit speaking to you. Uh, We're going to sing together. We have communion tables in a few spots around the room. Uh, We celebrate communion when we, we have a communion available every time that we gather together as a reminder. It is the life of Christ, the power of Christ in us that is our hope, his body and his blood shed for us. I'm going to have prayer team ministry members over here. If you would like prayer for any reason, uh, they would love to join with you and pray with you this morning during worship. You can also uh, give during this time. Let's come before the Lord together. Let's pray. God, it's because of your great strength because of your great power, your great might in us that we fight towards the goal of knowing you, of walking in relationship with you, of living our eternal purpose and destiny in you. Thank you again for the cross. Thank you for the victory that we know is secured on our behalf as we partner with you. Fill us with confidence this morning. Give us the grace. We are yours. In Jesus' name. I'm actually thankful for his grace. Oh my goodness. I'm so thankful. Uh, I'm going to invite Dan. God's put something on your heart. I believe in all my heart that there's three people in this audience that have been shredded by these strategies. In fact, I believe that you're ready to fold and break at this point. I don't want to tell you not to. All things are possible with God. So I want to pray for you specifically. But I want to tell you to come out of that isolation that you're in. You're one person away. Dawn is breaking very soon for you. Jesus, you know who these people are. I pray that the power of your spirit and of your might would overshadow these strategies. I plead the blood of Christ over these individuals that are hopeless. They're ready to pack it up. But I say no. Jesus says no. Amen. Do not give up. Seek his face. And I declare to you this day that the breaking of the dawn is soon. So repent. Come out of the shadows. Jesus will be there waiting for you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, worship team. That was wonderful. I love worshiping our God together with you. Uh, We officially end at 1230, uh, so if you can stick around and help uh, tear down, that gets our teams out of here quicker.
House churches, I think, are over. Youth group is over. It's summertime, so get outside. Enjoy the sunshine. May God's peace be upon you. God bless. You're dismissed.